this evening, I want to begin reading in verse number 1. Psalm chapter 107, verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Now, verse 2 is where my thoughts going to come from tonight. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. And He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. And again the psalmist writes, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and condemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried. Does everybody see the pattern? Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. Again the psalmist says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry, unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saveth them out of their distresses. He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing that they go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters to see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commanded and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and He bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So He bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt Him also in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. He turneth rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land and a barrenness for the wicked of them that dwell therein. He turneth the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground in the water springs. And there He maketh the hungry to dwell that they may 
prepare a city for habitation and sow the fields and plant vineyards which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also so that they are multiplied greatly and suffereth not their cattle to decrease. Again, they are menaced and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He poureth contempt upon princes and causeth them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction and maketh him families like a flock. The righteous shall see it and rejoice and all iniquity shall stop their mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. What a wonderful psalm that we've read together. Again, I want to read verse number 2 where the Bible said, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. If I could tonight, I want to go through, and there's several different types of people that is listed in Psalms 107 that God has saved them, delivered them, but pulled them from their distresses and from their destruction. And so I want to pull my thought from verse 2 and preach on this idea tonight. Somebody ought to say something. Uh, Somebody ought to say something. Would you please pray with me and pray for me tonight. Father, we do love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house tonight. I pray now, God, Lord, that you would help me. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I pray for unction and power. Lord, I pray, God, for clarity of mind. I pray that you'd bring what I've read, what I've studied, and Lord, most of all, what you spoke to my heart, to my remembrance. God, help me to say everything that you want me to say, and God, to to refrain from saying anything I should. Lord, use me, not for my glory, but for thine, and for the edification of thy church and your people. Lord, help us to leave different than we came. We'll thank you for it, and Lord, we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name and for us, and all the Lord's people said, Amen and Amen. Uh, over and over we read, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. I'm a firm believer. I'm a promoter. I'm an advocator of praising the Lord Jesus Christ because He is worthy of our praise. Can I say this tonight? Uh, the Bible lets us know that even nature and creation praise the Lord. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but it seems like sometimes when... Uh, we gather to church. It seems like the, the so-and-so's got to sing that one special song or uh, brother so-and-so's got to be the preacher or uh, so-and-so can't park in our parking spot if we're going to come in and praise the Lord. But can I say tonight that praising the Lord is not based off of your condition, your surrounding, your environment, but praising the Lord is a duty and it is a command and it is an obligation of the child of God. And really, it should not be uh, like, pulling eye teeth to get somebody to praise the Lord. You say what is praising the Lord? Well praise is defined many ways in your Bible but one way of praising the Lord is shouting amen and hallelujah and glory to God and bless the Lord and bless His name. Sometimes you can simply stand up and lift your hands to heaven. Praise the Lord. Clapping in your Bible is a form of praising the Lord. David danced a holy dance before the Lord. You can run in the glory of God, not out of order, and praise the Lord. Uh, But I'm afraid that the 
reason that we lack uh, praise and worship, by the way, at the contemporaries is about destroyed that term, but it's still a biblical term. And I do believe in praise and worship, but it's not in the mosh pit. Somebody say amen. It, praise and worship is biblical. And if you remember back uh, several months ago, I preached on God's order of praise and worship. And worship always comes before praise. You don't know why people can't praise the Lord in open? Because they don't worship Him in secret. Uh, my friend, you're not going to crucify your flesh at church and praise the Lord when you when you don't crucify your flesh at home and worship Him. Uh, but I believe without a shadow of a doubt one of the greatest things that mankind can do on this side of heaven is give honor to whom honor is due. To lift up His name. It's high and it's holy. He is the deliverer, not just of our souls and not just uh, of our names but in the Lamb's book of life but my friend I'm talking about a God that's come through each and every one of our lives personally and he's helped us and blessed us and he's watched over us and protected us and he's provided for us I'm getting happy at my home preaching because everything I've got everywhere I look all I see is him when I get my vehicles all I see is God when I put my clothes on my back all I can think about is God when I look at my family God in heaven is the only one that could have blessed me uh, with the family that I have. When I look around in my church, uh, glory to God, I say bless His holy name. Uh, my friend, any of us could be caught up in some kind of false doctrine, uh, some kind of cult, some kind of uh, some kind of liar sitting under a heretic. Uh, but ain't it good to know that Jesus Christ uh, in His providential mercy and grace and kindness uh, has led us in the way of truth. Uh, I'm not in the way of air tonight. And for that I say bless his name. I can tell you story after story. And circumstance after circumstance. Some of y'all forgot just what God's done. In the last six months. But I want to remind you. If we all got what we deserved. Ain't nobody be healthy tonight. Ain't nobody still be with your spouse tonight. Ain't nobody be in your right mind tonight. And we sure wouldn't be on our way to heaven tonight. But God has been good and for that I say bless the Lord oh my soul and all that's within me bless his holy name David here that says in verse number 2 let the redeemed of the Lord say so I have came to tell you tonight that somebody ought to say something well who's he talking to first of all tonight I want to say somebody ought to say something because there's somebody in here that's been redeemed that's exactly how the, the song Psalmist starts it out. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I believe God put this at the forefront on purpose because we're going to look at some other things and some other places that me and are that God saves them from that might not apply to you. It might not listen. Some of y'all may, may have never been. One of my points is going to be reckless. Maybe you never was reckless. Maybe you was raised up and you was always taught the scriptures and you was born under the sound of gospel preaching. Maybe you don't know what it's like to get out there and be rebellious. That's another point. Uh, but can I say uh, everybody here that's blood washed, hey, you may not have been rebellious and you might not be able to rejoice over His grace and uh, your rebellion. You may not have been reckless and you might not be able to praise Him uh, because of His faithfulness and your recklessness. Uh, but one thing I know is every sinner that's ever bowed at the foot of Calvary and called upon the lovely name of the Lord Jesus.
Jesus and the crimson flow of Calvary's washed all your sins away. It's removed every stain. It's removed every blotch. It's removed every smudge. It's removed every crack and every crevice that you and I would have slipped through and died and went to hell. I say somebody ought to say something because somebody's sitting here tonight that's been redeemed. Can I say it means something for God to redeem you first of all. When God redeemed you, I want you to see in verse number two, when God redeemed you, He grabbed you. When God redeemed you, He grabbed you. I'm going to say it again. When God redeemed you, He grabbed you. Look at verse number two. The psalmist says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Can I say somebody ought to say something? If you're here and you've been redeemed, you ought to say something. Because God not only redeemed you, but when He redeemed you, He grabbed you. May I say, before you were redeemed, you were in the very grip, in the very grasp of Satan. You were in the hand of the devil. But once you got saved, my friend, the God of all glory, broke the grip that no man can break. He loosed the hand of the devil and pulled you out and has held you tight ever since. Hey, you say, I need a reason on a Wednesday night to praise. You ought to praise God when He redeemed you. He grabbed you up and He broke the grip of the, of the devil on your life and on your home. I say, bless the Lord that He grabbed me one day. The Bible says in Isaiah 49, 16, the Bible said, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. John said it in verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 28 and 29. John said, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man, no man, hallelujah, no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I wish to God somebody would get with me tonight. I mean, I want you to think about the grip that the devil had on you. You couldn't have done nothing else but what his desire was for you. You were servants and slaves to sin you were under the grip of Satan you could have never broke that grip I could have never broke that grip but when you got redeemed my friend God grabbed you and he put you in his hand and no man can break that grip either my friend we are sealed we're kept we're secure in the hand of almighty God tonight not only did God grab you when He redeemed you, secondly, we see God, when God redeemed you, He gathered you. He didn't just grab you, He gathered you. Look in verse 3. The Bible said, verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, He grabbed you. Verse 3, and gathered them out of the lands. From the east and from the west, from the north and the south, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. May I say, when God redeemed me, He pulled me out of the same wilderness of sin that He pulled y'all out of and He's gathered us together. My friend, tonight we sit together in heavenly places. We abide in a place, my friend, this world knows nothing about. Paul said it best in Ephesians 
Ephesians chapter number 2 he said in you hath he quickened who were dead in trespassing sin weary in times past you walked according to the course of the world according to preach the power of the air of the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ by grace are you saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward through toward us through Christ Jesus for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them wherefore remember that ye be in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands that at that time ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world but now but now but now but now in Christ Jesus ye who were who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ I'm telling you when you got redeemed you got more than a ticket out of hell you got more than a mansion over the hilltop my friend he grabbed you up out of the grip of Satan he's gathered you together up with the body of Christ some of y'all was way out yonder in the wilderness some of y'all was on the brink of dropping off in the depths of hell out in the wilderness but you sat tonight with the family is anybody going to help me you're sitting here tonight in the family of God somebody ought to say something my God somebody ought to say something I I really thought when I began to preach and tell y'all what God has done for us they did light a fire in somebody but still ain't convinced so let me go on not only when God redeemed you did He grab you and gather you, but then He guides you. Yes, sir. Look in verse 6. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. And He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfied the longing soul and filled the hungry soul with goodness. Can I say when God redeemed you, somebody ought to say something. Because when God redeemed you, he grabbed you. When God redeemed you, uh, he gathered you together. He pulled you from the north to south, the east and the west of the wilderness. And has placed you in heavenly places. But then thirdly, when God redeemed you, he then guides you. According to verse number 4 and 5, I want you to read it with me. Uh, The Bible said before you got saved, uh, the Bible said they wandered in the wilderness 
in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. What was you when you was out there in the world? You was hungry and thirsty and your soul fainted in them. Uh, but my friend, when God uh, gathers you together, look at verse 7. The Bible said He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Uh, can I say God didn't just uh, grab you and gather you and guide you somewhere uh, to, to, to no return. But my friend, God pulled us out of a place, uh, uh, my friend, where we were hungry and thirsty. You know what this world is tonight? You want to know why they're strung out and drunk and why they're working 70 and 80 and 90 and 110, 12 hours a week uh, trying to make every dollar they can because they're hungry and they're thirsty and they're trying their best to satisfy that longing deep down in their heart and the further north they go, there's no help. The further south they go in that wilderness, there's no help. Don't matter how far east or how far west, the world has nothing to offer the void uh, that only God can fill. But ain't somebody glad that when He redeemed you, He guided you uh, into a place of habitation where I'm no longer hungry and thirsty, but I'm filled uh, and I'm filled to the brim overflowing tonight. All because I got redeemed. Getting saved is a whole lot more than just not going to hell. Now that's good. Don't get me wrong. But I'm telling you, there's a whole lot to rejoice about tonight. Can I remind you what Psalm 23 said about where he's guided you to? The Bible said in Psalm 23, The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Don't sound like a hungry, starving out place for a sheep to me. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness. Sounds a whole lot better than the path of ruin. Sounds a whole lot better than the paths of, of sin and destruction and death. He lead me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thou rod the staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest, look here, a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Looks a lot like what we've read in Psalms 107. When God uh, became our Savior, He then became our chief shepherd after we were redeemed. He has guided us into some things. He grabbed us up. He's gathered us together. And He's guided us to a city of habitation. Do you remember what John John said in John chapter number 1 he said verily verily I say unto you he that entereth not by the door in the sheepfold but climbeth up some other way the same as the thief and the robber but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep to him the porter openeth and the sheep hear his voice he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out and when he putteth forth his own sheep he goeth before them the sheep following for they know his voice and the stranger they will not follow but will flee from him for they know not the voice of strangers this prayer spake Jesus unto them but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them then Jesus said uh, then, then said Jesus unto them again verily verily I say unto you I am the door of the sheep and all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep did not hear them I am the door by me if any man enter in he shall be saved and go in and out look here and find pasture the thief cometh not but for the 
steal, to kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth life, giveth his life for the sheep. I'm not wandering around tonight trying to find something to carry me through. Uh, bless God, he's took me. Uh, he's guided me into greener pastures than any man that should ever have the honor of knowing about. Uh, I'm telling you, it's rich. Uh, it's, it's, listen, it's the best life uh, that you and I have ever known. Uh, everybody out there tonight's running their self ragged, uh, trying to fill up uh, an empty spot in the void. But glory to God, He's guided you and me after redemption and the green pasture, still waters. He's not left us out to die and to dry. Man. I'm telling you, somebody ought to say something. Why say that? Well, it's what the psalmist said. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let me ask you a serious question tonight. Why don't you never say nothing? Come on. I'm preaching my guts out tonight. Some of y'all are not going to grunt. You ain't going to. You know, it would not kill you to do this. So are oh, you just doing that for you? No. I'm, I'm telling you to do these things because it's in the Bible. Right. Can I tell you something? If we slack in our praise and worship, yeah. what do you think our kids are going to do? Right. They're going to be worse than you. you better believe it. And their kids are going to be worse than them. Exactly right. And within and within three decades, this church is dead. Yeah, that's right. right. Y'all listening? Yes, yes, sir. I, well, you're just trying to pump us and promise. You better know I am. I need my babies to see somebody besides right. daddy get happy. Right. Come on, somebody. Yes, I mean, listen, I, 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 I'm preaching to people six years, seven years ago. I couldn't have preached a message like this that you wouldn't have been up uh, shouting and running and knocking the sheet wall, rock out of the walls. Uh, I mean, what happened to women shouting? What happened to men getting in the glory? It's the only time you can raise your voice for God standing behind a pulpit. I don't know if you've ever even been called to preach. I'm telling you, there ought to be something down inside of every one of us that's been redeemed by the grace of God that says, bless God on the worst of my days. I've been grabbed up. I've been gathered together. I've been guided into a place of habitation. I say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Somebody ought to say something. Secondly, tonight, somebody ought to say something. Because there's somebody in here that's been rebellious. I want you to look at verse number 10. There's somebody in here tonight that's been redeemed. But in our text, we find somebody else that's been rebellious. Verse number 10 said, Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. By the way, anytime you're sitting in darkness, that ain't a good place to be. Why? Verse number 11. They're sitting, in verse number 10, they're sitting in the shadow of death being bound in affliction and iron. Hey kids, you want to know what sin will produce? Darkness, death, affliction, loneliness. Verse number 11, why are they there? Because they say the next word. I got one of you looking at verse number 11. Why are they sitting there? Why are they in this condition? Because they against the words of God. Can I say something here tonight? 
There's somebody sitting here tonight that's been rebellious. And if I know God and I've read His Word and studied this right, I'm going to show you what He does to those who are rebellious. Now you may not, if you're on this side of it, I can shout about the first two. Maybe you won't, but I can look back and shout and praise the Lord and say something because I have been rebellious. You know the first thing God does with those who are rebellious? Against the Word of God? Listen, you don't have to listen to my idea, my theology. But if it's in this book and you say no to it, look up here, you're rebellious. I don't have to tell you, well, I just ain't used to it. No, you don't got to be used to it. I told I preached things out of that book and set things in line and set things in order. You know better than you do them anyway. You don't know why. You are speaking rebellious. You know. You say, well, I I mean, I don't see it that way. It don't matter if it's in that book and you go contrary to it. You are rebellious. What does that mean? Number one, look at verse 12. Therefore, because they're rebellious, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down. There was none to help. Can I say the first thing God does? Somebody ought to say something. There's somebody in here that's been rebellious. The first thing God does when you're rebellious is God, if you were rebellious, is God has brought you down. I can look back over my life when God brought me down when I was in rebellion. I could not thank Him for it. Are you with me? I could not thank Him for bringing me down in my rebellion. Uh, my friend on this side, I look back and see, had God not brought me down, I would have died in my rebellion. But I'm glad He put me on the front of my back. I'm glad He put me so far down. The only direction I could look is up. I'm glad nobody in my life could help me. Nobody in my life could save me. Nobody in my life could change me. I didn't like it then, but I can look back now and see in my rebellion. Step number one of God getting glory out of your life is God will bring you down. I tell people, I've been telling people that this year in this church. If you don't stop, If you don't repent, God is going to take you down. They think I'm using scare tactics. It's not scare tactics. It's by if you're a child of God and you are living in open rebellion, you are headed one direction tonight. Down. There's people that ought to be in this church and they're not. And you know what direction they're headed tonight? I can show you people that used to attend church here. They know the same. They've heard the same Bible preaching you've heard. They've sang the same songs you've sang. They've went to the same meetings you've went to. They've cried on the same altars you've cried. They've held the same songbooks in the choir you've held. And my friend, they chose rebellion over righteousness. And I can take you to where some of them are tonight. And they are down, 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 down. Their hearts are down. Their lives are down. Their joys down. Everything about them is down. That's the way God works when you're rebellious. Not only has God brought you down, but secondly, I want you to look at verse 13. After they got down and there was none to help, in verse 12, then they cried unto the Lord. Ain't that about how it works? Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and He saved them out. 
of their distresses. Can I say number one? God will bring you down in verse number 12. Then in verse 13, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and He saved them. He saved them. You know what God done? He brought them back up. That's exactly what God done with me. I'm glad, thank God, I didn't have to fill out an online application. I didn't have to answer 75 questions. I didn't have to sit and, and, and soak for nine or ten years. Uh, when God said it's time to come home and I came home, before I came home, He brought me down and I looked, there was nobody to help. Then when I cried out to Him, He brought me up. And then lastly, I want you to see in verse number 14, look, He brought them out of darkness uh, and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. There's somebody in here that at one point or another you were rebellious but God brought you down then God brought you up then God brought you out I wish to God somebody would say something you don't know why outside of being redeemed I've got a reason to praise him because I've been rebellious and he didn't kill me Right. he did bring me down but he done that on on purpose. Yeah, right. He brought me down so just so he could bring me up. That's right. yes. And he brought me up just so he could bring me out. Yes. Does everybody see that? Yes, sir. Thirdly, somebody ought to say something because somebody in here, there's somebody in here that's been reckless. Yeah. Look at verse 17, first word. What's it say? Fools. Fools. Let me ask you something. Anybody in here ever lived your life as a fool? Yeah. Well, you ought to say something. By God's grace, He pulled you out of that reckless life, didn't He? Yep. Look at verse 17 again with me. Let's read it. Fools, because of their what? And because of their what? Are afflicted. So what brings affliction? Sorrow. We just read it. Transgression and what? Okay. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat. They draw near unto the gates of death. Anybody ever been there because you were a fool? Yeah. Right. Anybody ever been drawn close to death because of your foolish ways? Can I say, I believe if you were a fool, you lived reckless, you were probably so close to death at times you had no idea, but it would have scared you to death. I know at least two times. There's two times. I should not have made it home safely. I know of at least twice in my teenage years. I should not have walked through the door, the threshold of the door, into the Griffith residence. Are you with me? Yeah, what was I being? A fool. Yep, right. Reckless. What does reckless mean? Reckless just simply means careless. Yeah. Reckless means heedless. And reckless means mindless. You know what that describes? A fool. Yeah. You know what a fool is? They're careless. They're heedless. They won't listen to nothing. They're mindless. Looks like a fool to me. The Bible said because of their transgression, because their iniquities are afflicted, their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near the gates of death. Then, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. What's he do? What he does best. And he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them, delivered them from their destructions. And again, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works, the children of men. May I say it ought to make you want to say something that God would even 
can give you and I the time of day. We were all fools. We were all reckless. We were all careless. We all disregarded our sin at some point or another. But just like God does, He's seen our soul more than He's seen our stupidity. And if for no other reason, somebody in the building ought to say something about Him. But because God has been gracious to us in our recklessness. He's been gracious to us in our recklessness. I want, I want to talk about this grace. Can I say God's been gracious when you were reckless? God was gracious concerning your pattern. Look at verse 17. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities. Y'all see that S? Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Isn't it amazing how there's people we love tonight? All they got to do is stop sinning. And that weight that they're under and that load that's about to drive them so far down into the depths of depression they can't see by the day. You know, how many of y'all got people in here hooked on drugs in your family? And they know that it's just going to drive them right back to the jail cell, but they still take it. They don't put it in their arms. That drunk knows tonight that he, his liver shot and he, the, the doctors only give him six months to live, but he's going to crack another beer or 30 and drink them. Why is that? Because they're reckless. They're fools, my friend. What is the pattern? Notice the pattern. Uh, the pattern is constantly sinning. Uh, can I say God was very gracious to you when you were reckless because uh, concerning your pattern that uh, they were afflicted. That means to be affected by continued. That's where I got this uh, uh, point from. Uh, their affliction. You know what affliction means? It means to be affected by continued or often repeated pain either of body or mind. It is on purposely that this affliction stems from repetitious sin. Can I say God was very gracious to you concerning your pattern? What's the pattern of a reckless man? Sin and iniquity. And tomorrow, what's he going to do? A fool. What's a fool going to do tomorrow out in this world? He's going to sin. And he's going to bring forth more iniquities. And then he's going to get up on Sunday morning, the Lord's Day. You know what he's going to do? He's going to sin. And he's going to swim in a whole pool of self-made iniquities. That's his pattern. And that was our pattern before God saved us. Somebody ought to say something. Why? Because you were reckless, but God delivered you. God was gracious when you were reckless concerning your pattern. But number two, God has been gracious concerning your position. Look at verse 18. They're so forth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Where do you think a fool or reckless man goes when he dies? He goes to hell. Can I say something, y'all? We say it all the time, I should have been in hell. But you don't realize. You don't realize when you were under the influence that that the devil had it lined up for you to run somebody over and kill them and spend the rest of your life in prison. But even in your reckless state, God shows you grace. Concerning your pattern, because he knew that's what you were going to do the next day. But concerning your position, you were fixed. Some of y'all were supposed to hit that tree head on, but you didn't. Right. And maybe you did and didn't die. Yeah. Yeah. What was God doing? He was being gracious concerning yeah. your position. What is your position? Your state. 
Have y'all ever been on the brink of death because you were a fool? I'm telling you, I can tell you story after story of people I know that will stand up and brag on God. They got something to say. Why? Because they were reckless and they know their condition. They know their position. They knew they were almost in hell. But God showed them grace. I say some of y'all got all the way down to the gates of death and hell. But by God's grace, you didn't walk through. You got awful close. Amen? Yes, sir. Amen? You know there's people in here that's talked to me about before you got in this church and y'all began to work on your heart how close you were to killing yourself. There's people in here. Yes, sir. There's failed suicide attempts in here. Yes, sir. Some of y'all don't know that. There's people in here that's trying to take their own life. People in here that have attempted, it's more than a thought, they tried it. You with me? Why didn't God let you die? You were being a fool. You were reckless. Why in the world could you drink yourself into a charcoal pump in a hospital and it not kill you? But somebody else done that same body weight, height, and stature you are at killing. But why'd you make it? Because God was gracious concerning your position. But then thirdly, under this second point of, or third point of being reckless, God has been gracious concerning your prayer. Look at verse number 19. The Bible said, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saveth them out of their distresses. Can I say there's a few things I want you to see about this prayer. I have studied this. I, I, want, I want to say this. I have studied this and every point's got points and them points got points and God's given me everything I'm telling you tonight. Amen. We see number one concerning this prayer or supplication. God's been gracious concerning your prayer. First of all, we see the priority of this prayer. Look at verse 18. What's the first word say? No. Nope. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Verse 19. Then. You was right. You was right and it was wrong at the same time. Verse 19. I'm sorry. What's it say? So what does then describe? Well, let's go, let's go above. Let's look at verse 17. Let's look at the context. Then. Fools because of their transgression, their iniquities are afflicted. So they've been afflicted. Their soul poured all manner of meat, uh, of meat and they draw near the gates of death. Then. When? When they were almost at the end of the yes, sir. In other words, their pattern has gone as far as it can go. Yeah. Their position has gone as far as it can go. They are at the gates of death. Notice the priority. Some, can I say the Lord Jesus was, was, was this much a priority to most men after they had done everything they wanted to do and suffered all the consequences and could not go any further with self then? Yeah. You know what that is, Brother Seth? For God to let you go and do what you want to do is for, for as long as He did. You know what it is? It's grace. Yeah. Sure is. He was gracious concerning your prayer. Why? Look at the priority of that prayer. It's after a continuous life of sin. It's after a close look at death. Then they cried. Then you cried. Then I cried. May I say God may have a... Ha, ha, it may have been an afterthought to mankind, but mankind was on the mind of God before the very foundation of this world. May I say, even when God's an afterthought to you, you're not an afterthought to Him. 
When you're, he's of no priority to you, you're still top priority to him. Secondly, concerning this prayer, we not only see the priority of this prayer, but we see the provisions of this prayer. What did this prayer do? Number one, verse 19, the Bible said, Then they cried the Lord in their trouble, and He saveth them. Number one, this prayer saved you out of your distresses. What provisions does this prayer provide? It saved you out of your distresses. But then number two, He sent His Word to both heal and deliver you from your own destruction. Look at verse 20. He sent His Word. Does that ring a bell to anybody? Yes, sir. Y'all act like Methodist Presbyterian or something tonight. I can see this in many different ways. Number one, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Right there is a pretty good type of Jesus coming. But then secondly, in this day and hour, when Jesus has already came, guess what we're reading tonight? We're reading His Word. So He sent His Word both in the flesh and in the God, He sent His Word. And what's the Word of God do? Why do I preach the way I do? Because it healed them and delivered them from their distractions. Ain't you glad somebody stood up and preached that Word to you? Somebody ought to say something. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Some of y'all, if you're here tonight and you're redeemed, you ought to say something. Some of you are rebellious. You ought to say something. Some of you have been reckless. You've been fools. But God sent His Word to you. He was gracious to you concerning all these things. Somebody ought to say something. Thirdly, I want you to see the product of this prayer. Look at verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. For His goodness. You know the first thing I see here? The product. What does this prayer produce? Number one, we find that this prayer produces a vessel. Hello? Don't die on me. This prayer produces a vessel. What do you mean? Verse 21. Oh, that what? You know what that prayer produced when you asked God to save you? It produced a vessel. Guess who that was? You. Isn't it amazing that God's given us the opportunity to praise Him? Do y'all really think you deserve to even say bless the Lord? He gave you an opportunity. This prayer produced a vessel. Number two, this prayer produced a visual. Look at verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. What? For His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. You know what it produced, this prayer? It produced a vessel. You became the dwelling place, the habitation of the Holy Ghost. But then number two, it produced a visual. What is that? Because now all of a sudden, for the first time, after this prayer for salvation and deliverance and healing is prayed, then one and only then, after repentance, after redemption, can one see His goodness and His wonderful works for the very first time and not until then. Everybody that's on Facebook tonight, when, when, the old, when the old Buffalo Bills receiver went down, and everybody thought he was going to die. And then they got the word that he wasn't going to die, and he's, he's made a pretty good, seemed like a full recovery. Or something like that. He ain't dead. And I'm, listen, I'm not dog. Thank God there was some prayers on national television that night. That's a blessing. Yeah. I'm glad to see that. And there's been some praise. But can I tell you most of what, what the world considers praising God He's not praising God. Right, right. You realize until you got saved, you could not even see the works of God. Right, right. Am I wrong? No. Can't understand them. You don't understand. Lost people come in church. 
I can go see them walking here, getting hell hanging off of them. But the first line in the congregation is, they're ready to go. Doing all that. You know why? They don't understand. If you were to ask them, they'd say, oh, that's praising God. But we see it as, what are they doing? Why? Because they're trying to praise somebody they don't know about things they've never seen. Amen. God produced a visual in you after you prayed that prayer. You begin to see the goodness of God. You begin, your eyes were open to His truth, His grace, and His mercy. Thirdly, this, pray, this prayer produces a verdict. You know what a verdict is? Simply put, it's a decision. If a jury makes a verdict, you know what they've made? They've just made a decision. Look at verse 22. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. Now again, what are we preaching on? Somebody ought to say something. Why is that? Well, because we got down and we see that God was very gracious to those who were reckless concerning their prayer. This prayer produces some things. It produces a vessel. You and me, oh, that men would praise the Lord. It produces a visual for His goodness and His wonderful works. You can see them. But then it produces a verdict. And it says, and let them, notice what the next word says, sacrifice. Can I say praising God is a conscience decision? Are you listening? If you're, listen to me right here. If you're ever going to say something for God, you can mark this down. Listen to me. If you're ever going to be one that says something for God, you can mark this down. Number one, it will be a deliberate decision. Are you listening? You are going to have to make a decision. How many of y'all in church has wanted to say glory, but you didn't? Because you chose your verdict. You made the verdict. You made the decision. Nope, I ain't doing that. Number one, it will be a deliberate, deliberate decision if you're ever going to say something. Number two, it will bring deliberate death. Are you listening? What do you mean, preacher? Let them sacrifice the sacrifices with thanksgiving. Here's what the Bible says. In Psalms 54, 6, the Bible said, I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. Jeremiah 33, 11 says, The voice of joy, of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for His mercy endureth forever. And of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Hebrews 13, 15, some of y'all have heard this, says this, By Him therefore let us offer the the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to His name. Can I say the sacrifice is simply this. You say something. You know what happens when you say something for God? Your flesh has to die. Can I say this prayer produces a verdict. Uh, you, you are going to have to make a decision. Okay, God save me. And according to what we read, verse number 2, the Bible says, all right then, you're redeemed. If you've never been reckless, if you've never been rebellious, you've been redeemed. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. But God ain't going to make you say nothing. You've got a verdict to it. You've got to make a decision. Anybody, let, let me ask this. And if y'all don't raise your hand, I know you're lying. Anybody ever been in a church service where you really wanted to shout? You really did. Your spirit was, I'm, I'm about to tear something up. 
and you didn't. Can I see your hand? Yes. Now put them down. You know what that was? That was that redeemed man in there. He's about to kick the walls out. But then you got this man. And so you were faced with a decision. You had to come and bring forth a burden to the table of self and the table of sacrifice. The Holy Ghost is inside of you bearing witness with whatever was saying, being said or signed or preached or what have you. And that inner man was wanting to say, Hallelujah! But this flesh was saying, Oh no. Right. You want to know why it's a sacrifice to praise God? Because something's got to die. Yes, any y'all ever, any you men ever wanted to jump in line when these boys got cranked up? Take a lap. But you didn't. What is that? You made the wrong decision. You were faced with a choice. And you chose the wrong decision. What is the sacrifice? It's simply the fruit of our lips giving praise and thanks to his name. All right. Fourth of all, I really like this one. Hopefully I can get it done in 10 minutes. Doubt it, maybe. Somebody ought to say something. Because there's somebody in here that's been rescued. Look at verse 23. This is really where I wanted to get. I got another point after this. If we don't get to it, it'll be all right. Verse 23 says... They that go down to the sea in the ships, they that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven, they go down again to the depths, their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man or at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet. So He bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to children of men. Somebody ought to say something, because there's somebody in here tonight that's been rescued. Can I say it is here that the psalmist paints us a very vivid picture of those who have been rescued from... A storm. Notice in verse 23 through verse number 25, the Bible says these words in verse 23, they go down, they that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. Now I want you to see something this evening. This is really where I wanted to get. The deeper you go with God, the more wonders and works of Him you will see. So let's just shout right there. The deeper you go, the more of Him you're going to know. The greater the works and the greater the wonders. The deeper you go, the greater things that God is going to enable you to see. With a deeper walk comes deeper wonders and deeper works. But the story don't stop there. And I also say, but with that deep walk, God, uh, when you are seeing the wonders of God and the deep works of God, also come dangerous winds and waves. Now, I need you to pick up on this. Yes, sir. We've all been through storms. Yes, sir. But some of y'all can't shout over being rescued like some, some of the others. Yeah. Because the deeper you go with God, the deeper you go out to see, the worse the storms are. Yeah. 
which means the greater the rescue is. Right, right. I need y'all to pick up what I'm trying yeah, to teach right. you tonight. The deeper you go with God, you're going to see greater works and greater wonders, but you're going to see wind and waves like you've never seen before. Can I say some of the storms that's been fought in this church this year is because somebody decided to go a little further with God and the heat got turned up a little bit more. But at the end of this thing, when the winds and the waves cease, we're going to say like they did in the Gospels. We've never seen it on this fashion. I'm telling you, I can praise Him because I've been rescued tonight. Let, let those, if you've ever been rescued, you know what the Bible says? Y'all say something. The deeper you go in fellowship with God, the deeper you will go in faith with God. Can I say the bigger them waves and wind get, the more you're going to have to trust Him. We can't do nothing with the little wind the little waves, let alone the big wind and big waves. You know what happens as you are tried? What does the Bible tell us in 1 Peter 1, 7? That the trial of your faith being more, uh, much more precious than, 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 than uh, gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise. Is that what it says? And honor and glory. Listen, your faith is only good when it's put to test. We've read that a thousand times. I've preached that for almost eight years. The trial of your faith being more Precious than gold. It ain't your faith that's more precious than gold. It's the trial of your faith. May I say some of you have more to say and more to praise Him for because you've gone deeper than others have. Meaning, you've seen both the greater good and the greater bad. Can I get a witness? Some of y'all have experienced things and been rescued from things that others will know nothing about because they're not willing to launch out into the deep. Now they'll get to shout, but not like you. You ever look at somebody and say, oh my goodness, why are they a wise brother that the way he does? I mean, why does he just walk around the church and woo, woo, over and over and over? Because he's been in some deep places and God did not let him down out there. He's been rescued. You've been rescued, but not on that fashion. That's right. You with me? And so, some of us right now, we're way out yonder in some deep waters, some deep storms, some bad winds, some bad waves. But God, listen, He's never failed us. He will bring us through. And may I say, when He does, you always have something to say. And it ought not be, I just, let, me, let me ask you something. If your mama was laying on the, on, on the, on the hospital bed, and they gave her two days to live, and she said her goodbyes, and her heart rate went all the way down to where it was just about nothing. Then it spiked back up. She come out of there alive. Are you just gonna get up and say, "Brother Josh, gonna say something"? My mom died, but God resurrected her, and I just want to thank the Lord. We won't act crazy. That's right. Why? Because it's it's deeper waters than you've ever been. You with me? You wanna watch some of y'all just never have nothing to say? Because you don't watch out in the deep. Yeah. You know why a lot of people want to stay shallow Christians? Yes. Because they see what's out there. Yes, sir. But all they're seeing is the wind and waves. Can I tell you something? Jesus don't just sit on the shore. He walks right out on them waters. Hey, man. He will ask Peter, ask Peter about being way out yonder in the deep when the wind and the waves were filled with ship. And that's who showed up. They didn't know who it was. That tells how much faith they had. They weren't even expecting him to be way out yonder. They said, oh my goodness, it's a spirit, it's a ghost. And he said, oh no, don't 
be afraid. It's me. And he said, Lord, if that's really you, tell me to come. He said, come. And for just a moment, Peter got to experience. We all look at Peter downgrading because he looked and got his eyes on Jesus. And he fell. But let me tell you all something. He got out deeper than him. I slammed him down. And yes, he fell. But when he fell, there was somebody there to pick him up. God ain't going to let you say that's exactly right. Are you listening to that? This is pastoral helping you get through your life, helping you serve God. And I'm telling you, some of y'all is afraid to go deep with God because you know the harder, uh, the, 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 the further you go with God, the harder the devil will fight. And that's true. Yes, there'll be spiritual warfare you've never known before. But God don't leave you out there to die. He'll rescue you out in the deep just like he done back yonder in the kiddie pool. I'd rather go out and see the wonders and the works uh, in the deep than I would stay shallow. He'll rescue you. Somebody ought to say something. Can I say real quickly? I'm going to try to get this out in two minutes. I want you to see the danger of deep, deep storms and the deliverance. Number one, concerning the danger of deep storms, we see the shifting of the storm. Look at verse 26. The Bible said they mount up in the heaven, they go down to the depths. Their souls melt because of trouble. Anybody ever felt like that? You're out in the deep storm. One minute you're plumb up in heaven. Come on, somebody. Next minute you're as low as you can go. You feel like you're in the depths. Depths is also, you can look at the type picture of hell right there. The depths. One minute you're up in the heaven shouting the glory and the next minute you're in the lowest of hells. You know what storms do? I've lost my mind. You know what storms do? They shift. They shift. You're up one minute, down the next. Number two, secondly, concerning the danger of the storm. Not only do we see the shifting of the storm, we see the severity of the storm. Look at verse 26. They mount up to heaven, they go down to the depths, their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunk man right there. Wits in. The severity of the storm. In verse 26, we find their souls are melting. In verse number 27, we find their strength is minimized. You know what the Bible said? They reel to and fro. In other words, they don't have the strength to control their ship because the strength of the storm is stronger than those who are sailing. Does everybody see this? We see their souls are melting. That's what a storm... Anybody in a storm right now and your soul feels like it's melting? You ever been there? What about, what about when your strength is minimized? You're trying every way in the world to fix it, but you can't. That's because the storm's bigger than you are. Yeah. Then in verse number 27, we also see their steps are manipulated. The Bible said they stagger like a drunken man. Any of y'all ever tried to live for God and you're trying to walk through this Christian life and you can't tell direct which direction you're even headed? Yeah. You're like a drunken man. 